Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com. In, um, in our country, um, the Sixth Amendment of the, the Constitution guarantees your right to be represented by an attorney um, in a criminal case. Um, so if you find yourself involved in a criminal case, um, it's super important that the person representing you does a good job. Uh, so you, you want to be sure the person representing you takes seriously, um, takes seriously their, their role, especially if you're innocent, especially if you're innocent. So uh, I've shared with some of you guys before that um, when I was in Alabama, uh, last year, I went to a place called the EGI, um, the Equal Justice Initiative. Um, and it's, it's, it's this best way, best way I can describe it is a museum, but it's a museum that describes what it's like, what it was like for, for black people in history from um, when they first got here being brought over in slave ships to, to some of what uh, black people experience now. Um, it's, it's super powerful. Um, but one of the, one of the people that was highlighted there um, is um, a man named Delma Banks Jr. Um, Delma Banks Jr., um, in 1980, uh, he's charged with the murder of a man named Richard Whitehead in Texas. So if convicted, um, Banks could face the death penalty. So there's a lot at stake, right? There's a lot at stake. Uh, Banks couldn't afford a lawyer, so a lawyer was appointed to him, like the Sixth Amendment says, Uh, so which is great. However, there's no guarantee that the lawyer that's appointed to you will be able to spell his name or you know, be able to, to, to be competent. So the only evidence against Banks was the testimony of an informant who received $200 and the dismissal of an arson charge for his, uh, for his testimony. Um, so Banks' lawyer didn't vigorously... Uh, didn't vigorously cross-examine the informant, um, nor, did he, uh, nor did he investigate the case. Had he investigated the case, he'd have found that there was strong evidence that Banks wasn't even in the city when the murder happened, um, but he did not. So Banks was convicted of murder and sentenced to death. When I hear that story, I'm like, man, what? How could that happen? How could that happen? Uh, I, I, and I, I, it's very frustrating. It's very frustrating. And I, I want, you want the person representing someone in a situation like this to take this seriously, to get in the game. What are you doing? Somebody's life is at stake. And, and you approach this casually. It, just, it, seems, it seems mind-boggling that that could happen. And certainly if it's happening to any of us, we want them to take our case seriously. We want, we want them to act like their own life, act like your life's at stake and do what you would do if your life was at stake. Um, and I assume that all of us, all of us would, would take an assignment like that seriously. Having to represent someone like that, we would take that very seriously. When Jesus was alive, um, he would often say things that would make people angry. Um, and certainly making people angry wasn't his goal, but he would say things that would make people angry and he would be strategic and do it, you know, to do it in ways where he would, he would try to be kind. But on one occasion, he's talking with religious leaders and he says, he says something that is so offensive to them, so offensive to them. He says, I and the father are one. And they find that incredibly offensive, incredibly offensive. 
Um, he's, he's basically saying, me and the Father are the same. Um, we're, we're, we're both infinitely glorious. We're both, we're, both, we're both of the same worth. So when Jesus says these things, you know, the people listening to him pick up rocks to, to stone him to death. And when that happens, Jesus says this. I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? We're not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy because you, a mere man, claim to be God. And Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law, I have said you are God's? If he called them God's to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be set aside, what about the one whom the father set apart as his very own and sent into the world. Uh, Jesus makes a statement in which he claims to be God. And he's told, you've done something so terrible that deserves the death penalty. And Jesus' response is really interesting. Um, he says, scripture says, you are gods. And then he says, scripture is always true. What does Jesus mean by that? What does he mean by that? Jesus says, I'm God, but then he follows up by saying, Jesus calls people gods. What does he mean by this? So to understand what Jesus means, um, we should look at what he's quoting. Um, he's quoting someone, he's quoting the scripture in another place. Jesus is quoting Psalm 82. Um, that's a part of our, part of the reading that I, that uh, my friend Karen sent out to you via email this week. Um, this is what this says. This is what Psalm 82 says. God presides in the great assembly. He renders judgment among the gods. I said, you are gods. You are all sons of the most high. In this section, God seems to be talking to people and he clearly calls them gods. And what does that mean? So maybe, maybe we should start with what he doesn't mean, right? So sometimes when you're reading something, you're like, I don't know what that means, but let's talk about what he doesn't mean. I mean, he's not saying that humans are gods like he is God or like Jesus is God. Um, when there's something hard to understand in the Bible, one of the ways to understand it better is to compare it to other places or other things that are happening in the Bible. So let me share these with you. Um, <clears throat> the Lord showed you things so that you might know he is God. There is no other God except him. Another verse, remember the former things of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there's none like me. So the verses that, that are in Psalm 82 and that Jesus are quoting, they, they can't mean that the people are God-like in his infinite power or his infinite wisdom or in his, his greatness. He's not saying Adam and Eve um, were are punished because they attempted to become like God or by disobeying him. So what does it mean? What does it mean? Let's, um, let's read Psalm 82 for more context. Let's go on. <clears throat> God presides in the great assembly. He renders judgment among the gods. How long will you defend the unjust and show partiality to the wicked? Defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. The gods know nothing. They understand nothing. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, you are gods. You are sons of the most high. So God's correcting this group of people that he's calling gods because they're behaving badly. They're doing, they're doing wrong things. He commands them to do right by the weak and people who need a hand. So from other places in the Bible, we know that if you're in any position of power or authority 
or influence over other people, that power has been given to you by God. I think God's saying, when you find yourself in those positions, in those situations, you are gods to the people that you have power over. God's saying, when you find yourself in that situation, use the strength that you've been given to help people that you have power over. When you're in those situations, you're like God to those people. That doesn't mean you know everything. It doesn't mean you're, gonna, you're never going to die. It doesn't mean that you're all powerful. What it does mean is that the God of the universe puts you in a position where you are representing him to people you have influence over. And when that happens, use that power for the most, for the most vulnerable. So it's interesting that in John 10, when the religious leaders are ready to stone Jesus to death, it, that he quotes this verse. He says, you are gods. I think he's talking to them too. He says, you guys have power. You guys have authority. You guys have influence over people. I call you gods. And, and they, they've been given power over people and they're misusing it for themselves. Instead, they should have been, been like God to the people, giving justice to the weak, um, uh, fighting, fighting for the rights of the lowest, rescuing people who need help. So the question is this. Why call them gods and make things confusing? Why not just say, you guys are like God in some ways? Or why not just say, you guys are representing God? I think it's because of this. I think Jesus wants people to hear those words. I want, I think... Jesus often would talk with strong, strong analogy. He'd say, he'd say stuff like, I want you to hate your, hate your mother and hate your father. And when he's calling people gods, he says, I want you to feel the weight of representing me here on earth. I want you to know how serious it is, how big it is. They are representing God to the people. It's a huge deal and they're taking it for granted. They don't think about it like that. It is very, very important as there is so much at stake. Take it seriously. Take it seriously. I think Jesus puts, puts that title, adds those words to that because he wants us and them to, to, to understand that we should take it seriously. That you have been put in a position to influence people. You are God's. And I think, that, I think that if Jesus was here, he would say that to us today. He would say that to us right now. God has given you authority or power or influence over someone. You are God's. You are representing the king of the universe. And how you wield that power is of utmost importance. So if you're a mom, you are wielding power. You are wielding influence given by God. You're, you are like God to your children. Give it your best. If you have friends, if you have siblings, if you have influence and power, wield that power in a way where you are saying, I'm taking the glory of God out to the world. That, that's serious. That's serious business. If, if you ever come on a stage, if you ever come on a stage, then, then you know you have power, you have influence. And you must take that power in the same way Christ would to, to, for the glory of the Father. Those you're serving, you are gods. I, 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 can't, I can't tell you, I, I cannot begin to tell you how many times people come into my office or call me or sit down with me. 
people over and over and over again saying, I don't think I believe in God anymore. I don't think I can do this anymore. I don't think, I, I think I've lost my faith. And they always, they, they often connect it to the way that God has been represented to them by people like us. So if you think that there's not much at stake because of you and your role, you are foolish. We represent God here on earth. We are his hands and feet. So when Jesus says, you are God's, he wants you to feel the weight of that. Feel the weight of what he's saying. There is much at stake and Jesus wants you to know it. He wants you to know it. In the book of Hebrews, it describes the kind of behavior people have when they understand the weight of the responsibility they've, they've been given. When they understand this, you are God's concept. Listen to this. It says, what more can I say? I don't have time to tell you about all the others, all these other people who, who act by faith. I don't have time to, tell, to talk about Gideon or Barak or Samson or Jephthah. I don't have time to, to tell about David and Samuel and the prophets. Because of their faith, they took over kingdoms. They ruled fairly. They received the blessings God had promised. They shut the mouths of lions. They put out great fires. They escaped being killed by swords. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became powerful in battle. They beat back armies from other countries. Women received back their dead. The dead were raised to life again. There were others who were made to suffer greatly but they refused to be set free. They did this so that after death, they would be raised to an even better life. Some were made fun of and even whipped. Some were held by chains. Some were put in prison. Some were killed with stones. Some were sawed in two. Some were killed by swords. They went around wearing skins of sheep and goats. They were poor. They were attacked. They were treated badly. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains. They lived in caves. They lived in holes in the ground. All these people were praised because they had faith, but none of them received what God had promised. That's because God had planned something better for us so that they, so they would only be made perfect together with us. People being described here they act like gods here on earth. They shut lions' mouths. They raise people from the dead. They, they don't back down. They don't, they can't be, they can't, you can't make them shut up by threatening them. They're being treated badly and that doesn't change them. They live this kind of steady life. I'm doing what God asked me to do. They represented God in a way that would make us all proud, that would make God proud. We would, all of us would say, that's who I want to be. That's who I want to be. They live that way because they understood the seriousness of who they're representing. So every word, everything, every, every move, every day was like that. This kind of living Jesus called is, is what he calls us to when he calls us to this, this title of gods. We've, we, in Hebrews, it goes on to say this. We have all these great people around us as examples. Their lives tell us what faith means. So we too should run the race that is before us and never quit. 
We should remove from our lives anything that would slow us down and the sin that so often makes us fall. We must never stop looking to Jesus. He is the leader of our faith. He is the one who makes our faith complete. He suffered death on a cross, but he accepted the shame of the cross as if it were nothing because of the joy he could see waiting for him. And now he is sitting at the right hand of God's throne. We have all these examples of what it looks like to live by faith, to live into this title that, that says Psalm 82 and that Jesus, and Jesus talks about in John 10, how we can have influence over people and put our eyes on Jesus and live radically for Christ. You are God's. You've been given these examples. And and again, if you want to read more about that, uh, uh, Hebrews 11, read those examples. We've been given those examples of what it looks like to be gods to people we have influence over. So let's put our eyes on Jesus and let's live radically and let's live into it. Let's do it. And here's here's what that means. Here's what that means. Here's what that means. We communicate the word of God with our mouths and our lives. We communicate the word of God with our mouths and our lives. And then we are gloriously gracious towards people who can't live up to it. We communicate the word of God with our mouths and our lives. And then we are gloriously over the top gracious towards people who can't live up to it. So first, we're reminded that any power, any influence you have, it's been given by God. So act like it. Wield it like it's been given to you by God. Some of us have been given gifts by a person who's special to us. You take that gift and you hold it dearly to you. God has given you a gift of power and influence. Wield it like it's coming from him. Wield it like it's coming from him. Handle it wisely. Use it to help those who have less power than you. Use it to rescue others. You've been given a role and a title that's huge. You are gods. Second, don't back off of the truth. Don't back off of the truth. Don't back off of the truth. Once um, God was talking about people who uh, believed and told others that God um, is whoever you want him to be. God said this. Let the one who has my word speak it faithfully. All these other people, they're talking about God being whoever they want him to be. But let the one who has my word speak it faithfully. Where's he at? Where's she at? Where's that person at? Let them speak my word faithfully. We all have feelings and ideas and dreams about what we think God's like. But God says, if you want to represent me, speak my word truthfully. Many of you guys know that um, for most of history... People have not had access to the Bible. Like if you wanted to hear the Bible, you had to go to a place to hear it. What an honor and a responsibility and a privilege to live in a context where we have access, incredible access to the word of God that most of history could only dream about. So we need to to take that, take that seriously. Let the one who who has his word 
which is all of us. We have all have access to his word. Speak it truthfully. That's our, that's our goal as little G gods. None of us, none of us want to say the truth often because we don't want people to be mad at us or we don't want people not to like us. So we like to think of the version of Jesus that is uh, all about helping the weak and rescuing the needy. And that version of Jesus is essential. It's essential to our roles here on earth. But do not let go of the truth of the word. Do not let go of the truth. Once when Jesus was talking, um, he was talking about his, um, his unwillingness to let go of the truth. He says this, I have come to bring fire on earth. I have come to bring fire on earth. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? Yeah, Jesus. I mean, that's what the song says at Christmas, right? (laughs) No, I tell you. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other. Three against two, two against three. There will be, uh, there will be, they will be divided. Father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Um, again, Jesus always speaks in these super strong, strong, strong language, super song examples. Jesus isn't calling for division for a division's sake. He's certainly not calling for division because of selfishness. He's calling for division because of people being honest and telling the truth, committed to the truth. There are some people, and again, you know this, there are people in our lives who are, un, they hate to hear the truth. They hate it. Unwilling to stand for it. Jesus says, don't back down from the truth in those contexts, even if that means that 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 relationship can't continue. Don't back down from it. You are God's. Don't back down from the word. Then, as far as this depends on you, though, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You share the truth. You share the truth. But then be gloriously gracious with people who can't live up to it. I always find that people who love to share the truth, they're not gloriously gracious. (laughs) Jesus says, you are gods. Don't back down from the truth. But then be gloriously gracious with people who can't live up to it. Certainly that's what Christ has done with us, right? Being gloriously gracious means that when people can't live up to the standard, you, you give your life finding grace for them. You allow yourself to be sacrificed finding grace for them. You are God's. Are you uncomfortable with that title? I hope so. I hope so. Certainly, you have to know, those of you guys who know me, you you have to know, as I'm writing this sermon, every time I have to write that phrase, I feel so uncomfortable. Like, ah, gives me the creeps. You are representing the God of the universe. I think that Jesus said it so strongly. So that we we would 
catch a glimpse of that. So you are representing the God of the universe. Do you understand what that means? When Domo Banks Jr. Uh, was being charged with murder, somehow he got some kind of lawyer representing him who, who's, who's goofing off. Who's, who, I don't know what he's doing and I don't know what... It blows my mind that, that he could call himself a lawyer. He did not take seriously the weight of the responsibility that he had been given. And a man's life was in his hands. He was like, he, to, to Delma Banks Jr., he was like a god. He said, I've got your life in my hands. And he took that responsibility casually, not seeming to care. And he was sentenced to death. He's sentenced to death. Double Banks Jr. has been on death row since. Um, after fighting uh, lots of trials in 2004, uh, his death sentence was overturned. Uh, turned to a life sentence. So he's not going to die. He's going to be in prison for <laughs> most of his life. <clears throat> overturned partially because of the terrible job that the defense attorney had done representing Banks. That kind of behavior from a lawyer when a man's life is at stake is, is appalling. It's appalling. And then I think we could all, all agree to that. If we can be appalled at the lawyer's poor job of representing his client, how should we feel about the job we're doing of representing the Lord Jesus Christ here on earth? You are God's. And Jesus wanted them to walk away from that conversation feeling the weight of those words. I hope you feel that way. I hope you feel that way. Much is at stake. Much is at stake. We got work to do. We got work to do over bridge. So, uh, let me pray. Let me pray. Let's pray together. Dear Father, holy is your name. You are the king of the universe. Like Yeager talked about, you, you come down and meet us in thunder and clouds and earthquakes in, in, in way, things that we could, we could never control. Ne- never, not even close. You approach us in your hugeness. And in that moment, the people got a little glimpse, a tiny glimpse of your greatness. And when Jesus shows up, we get a tiny glimpse of your greatness. I pray for us to to understand what you meant when you use those words. You are God's. I pray that we would understand when we wake up in the morning and we're sitting in our beds that we would feel the weight of the responsibility that we have as representatives of you here on earth. There is much, much, much at stake. Do not let us, do not let us make a fool of you here on earth. Do not let us take our responsibility casually 
like Dumbo Banks Jr.'s lawyer did. Do, do, people's lives and eternities are at stake. And so I pray, I pray that we wouldn't back down from the truth. And I pray that you'd help us be gloriously gracious to people who can't live up to it. And I pray that here at Arbor Bridge, that we would live into this title that you've given us. You are God's. We will live into it in a way we'll have no regrets at the end of our lives because we have been such vigorous, fiery representatives of you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to share um, one more thing with you uh, before you go. Um, Just as a statement that I like to share with our church family as we close. So may you know and have full confidence. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information on our church, visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com.